Welcome to the Super Data Science Podcast, episode number 200. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Super Data Science Podcast, and today is our anniversary, episode number 200. How crazy is that? It feels just like not that long ago we started this whole show, but it's actually been two years, it's been over two years since we started the podcast, and I'd like to say a huge thank you for all of you for being part of this show. It's been an amazing journey. And in order to commemorate this very special 200th episode, we decided to double down on a very pressing topic, on a topic that is all over the planet, that is affecting every industry, every business, and very soon is going to be affecting every single person on this globe. And you're right, you guessed it, that topic is artificial intelligence. So in today's show, you will hear what artificial intelligence is all about and what the future of data science looks like according to the top AI experts that we've interviewed in the past. To do this, we've created a special mashup or you may call it a recap episode with our 16 biggest AI experts. That's right, we took the top 16 AI experts that have been on this show and have put together their thoughts into this one episode. So I can't wait for you to check it out and without further ado, please enjoy Double Down on Artificial Intelligence. Today we had a very special guest, Ulf Morris, who is the finance director of the German branch of the game design development and distribution company Ubisoft. Now, I'm sure you've heard of Ubisoft before. They're the maker of such game brands like Watch Dogs, Assassin's Creed, and Far Cry. So as you can imagine, this is a huge company and it's a huge name in the world of computer games. From what you've seen and what you've learned about data science, where do you think this field is going in the future, in the coming years? Tools will get easier to handle. So there will be a sort of democratization of data science. Certainly, so there's a huge uh, chance also for the vendor companies, like you mentioned Tableau. And what I personally got very endeared with digging into data science was, of course, open source software, because both R and Python are open source. And I just find it incredible the quality of support that you're getting when you're having questions, for example. It's, 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 it's just amazing. So I think data science will, will also advance the cost of open source software to a certain extent. But to answer your question then, where do I think will we head with, with uh, data science in the near and medium future? In the narrow professional sense, so really constant concentrating just on finance, I would say it, it will really help to uh, what we said previously separate permanently data from the data processing logic to get rid of this mess that Excel is, is making when you take it to a bigger scale. It will help to combine more systematically the use of data analysis techniques and uh, data visualization for really the discovery of patterns and rules in your data which is like my, my previous example of what I said, uh, do some prediction, sort of like, where do I invest my money? Uh, is this customer better than this customer? And I have more than just the guts feeling to base my decision on. Ultimately for me, because it's really the most important part, I think of, of the uh, traditional finance role in an operative company, not on a corporate level, though, well there too, but it's still different. But on an operative level, the planning process is really important because you always, I mean, you need to know where you want to be tomorrow and integrating predictive methods into concrete 
plannings of costs and especially revenues will become paramount. If you really focus on the financial function, I think this is where data science can can really improve things and will and will play a major role. But if you take it to a larger sense, data science, the most intriguing field right now, and I don't think you can make a huge mistake learning about it is uh, unsupervised learning. Because, I mean, it's like, again, I only have the theory, really, yeah. But, I mean, the difference is, of course, with supervised learning, you need to know the outcome. You need to do, you need to have a training data set. And uh, with unsupervised learning, you just learn structures from data by itself. Yeah, so it's sui generis, they would say in Latin. Yeah, so, so from your own origin, the data structure emerges from nothing. And the very simple fact is that as soon as you leave the field of structured data in EP systems and, and you enter the field of big data from resources uh, as disparate as, let's say, Facebook entries, tweets, uh, feedbacks from 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 uh, websites, commentaries, and so forth. Yeah, you just end up with so much more unstructured data. Yeah, and any tool that will allow you to to have structure emerge from initially unstructured data will be enormously important and helpful. Today, I've got one of the top students of uh, super data science, Garth Zoller. And uh, from where you are now, from what uh, you're learning about data science or from how far you've gotten into the field, from what you see now, where do you think the field of data science is going? And what would you recommend to our listeners to look into uh, to prepare for the future of data science? Based on what I've seen and, and what I'm getting a sense of is it feels very much like the late 90s, early 2000s, with the technology boom that happened at that time, that was largely centered around network administration and system administration. That's kind of where data science is to me today in, in, in the industry. It is the thing. And what to me is a little different about data science compared to that earlier time. That earlier time, you know, it's about the hardware or the software. Data science, yeah, we have some tools, but it's really, again, about that way of thinking about problems and being disciplined and how you create little miniature quick experiments to vet out proof points of whether something is, is valid or, or, or statistically meaningful. That, that ex extends well beyond a tool and well beyond a particular time frame. It, to me, it's more like maybe personal computers were back when, when they started. Can, can you really get... Uh, sustainable employment if you don't have some basic computer skills today. It's going to be difficult. Data science to me is like that going forward. It will be the differentiator between organizations, you know, the, the, the organizations that have a deep, concentrated knowledge of data science skills are going to have a, a competitive advantage. And whatever you're doing, even if you're not a data scientist, maybe you're, you're a people manager or whatever else, Applying data science to what you do will differentiate you from your peers. It's it's it ultimately always affects the relationship you have with your customer. You're able to extend, uh, create more authentic and provable uh, relationship, giving them exactly what they need based on the data, and also you know driving driving the bottom line. Today we have a unique episode because we have a very special guest, Damian Mingle. Damien is the chief data scientist at WPC Healthcare, but not only that, he is also a speaker, an author, 
and he has been ranked in the top 1% of data scientists across the whole world by Kaggle. From where you stand and from all of your experience, where would you say you think the field of data science is going and what should our listeners look out for to prepare for data science in the future? I think more and more of what will come is more of the automation, right? So, um, you know, there's been a real big emphasis on the fact that there's not a lot of data scientists out there, uh, which I don't know, maybe that's true, maybe that's not true, but at least that's what the media is saying. And so there's this scarcity and there's a need to create some synthetic or artificial data scientists. And so some of what we do can be automated, absolutely. Um, and so I think we'll see more of that come into our uh, wheelhouse, if you will. And that could be a good thing. Uh, it's much like if we if we kind of take our own medicine, like we were talking about with the doctor, maybe there's some things we don't necessarily want to do in data science. And there's other things that we're interested in doing. Um, I think there'll probably be, you know, three major things that'll show up in the next, I would call it maybe five years. One is, can you can, you know, as, as, as a way to kind of prevent kind of being automated out of data science, I think you'd have to think along the lines of, can I convert a business problem into a data science problem? I mean, right now, if you think about IBM Watson and some of these other big kind of cognitive platforms, they're really great, right? It's really exciting times. But there's there's a couple hangups. One is if you can't get the data to them, they can't do any of that stuff. And so figuring out how to get to your data, that's become that's the new bottleneck. Uh, it's not crunch time on the numbers and that sort of thing. So that's that's going to be an interesting thing uh, to kind of overcome. You know, the other thing is is trying to create targets. So we talked about creating uh, data science solutions from business problems. If you don't know how to create a target something you want to predict that's not obvious, I think that you will have a difficult time in the future with data science. I think that'll become, I, I really think, in, even in a meeting on your own, uh, depending on what your role is with the company, thinking through how would I make this a data science problem is a good um, mental experiment that you can do. You never have to share with anybody, um, but it's a way for you to start doing some brain training on how to think machine learning in the world. And that's very, very powerful. If you can't implement these data science solutions, I think that'll be another struggle. The, the third one, which I think is gonna be everybody's future field day. Uh, if you have the IBMs of the world and some of these other data science uh, players come in and, and they start automating, the, it's gonna set everybody's floor, at, let's call it 80% area under the curve. The new gold will be trying to move it from 80% to 85, 86, 87%. And so you're going to have to have developed techniques on feature engineering and how to work with data and some of the stuff we talked about, subsetting, subspace, ensemble, all these sorts of things, uh, to be able to get yourself the lift that you need. Because today people will pay from going from 50 to 85%. That's huge. That means lots of money in a lot of cases, a lot of saved lives. Uh, in the future, I think you'll see those margins sh shrink, or there's percents shrink, but they're still going to want to pay for them. Today, I've got a very exciting guest with me, Sinan Ozdemir, who is an author, a head instructor of data science at the General Assembly, and the founder of Legion Analytics. Where do you think the field of data science is going? And what should our listeners prepare for to um, be ready for the future that's coming? That is a big one. I, and 
I think that the future of data science, the future of machine learning and AI, uh, I think I'm going to uh, piggyback off a, a previous answer I had and say that the future of data science won't necessarily be in the most innovative software technologies, but what it's going to be is the ability to apply these technologies to fields that have not been updated in, in, in some cases, centuries. And I think that to prepare yourselves, you know, listeners, to prepare yourselves as you're learning data science, as you're listening to a lecture on chi-square tests or listening about pandas and or R or data frames or data manipulation, as you're learning this, never ever forget why or how you're going to use this information. Never get lost in the theory or in, in, even in the practice, but always keep yourself grounded by saying, you know what, uh, you know, my, my you know, wife's shop uses data and I think they're using it incorrectly. How can I bring this to them? Or my buddy is starting a vineyard and I want to be able to use image recognition to help them know when, they're, when their yields are coming in or when their yields are good or bad. So always remember, you can apply this not necessarily to the most, you know, Uber, uh, Tesla, SpaceX, Solar City, not even to the most innovative companies, but never forget that there's a plethora of SMBs, small to medium sized companies who could also use this technology. Today, we've got an interesting guest. Today, we've got Kimberly Diaz joining us. And Kimberly is using data science for something very, very noble. Kimberly is a data analyst in the space of medical research, and she uses data science to help provide healthcare and support services for individuals living with HIV and AIDS. From where you are, and I think your answer is actually going to be very valuable to lots of our listeners because you're in a very different space. You're in, in biology in, in, uh, or in medicine. And uh, a lot of our guests, like very few of our guests are operating in that space. So uh, the question is, uh, from where you are uh, and from what you've seen about data science, where do you think this field is going? So what do you think is coming for the world in terms of data science and in specifically in your profession? And what would you say listeners need to prepare for to look out for uh, the future so that they can uh, you know, build their careers in that space or just be prepared for what's coming in terms of data and medicine? So I think one of the bigger, more significant applications of data science um, in terms of medicine is that information that is collected about you on the data side can be used to, from anything from uh, for connect, collecting genomic data can be used to determine which drugs will you're better treat your cancer. From coming from HIV, what areas of the county should we be looking for to see the next outbreak of, of a certain disease? So I think in medicine, the sky's the limit in terms of how useful it could be. And, and ultimately, um, with the goal of saving people's lives and improving people's lives who are dealing with diseases which can many times be fatal. So that's the biggest thing that I see data science being able to use in the, in the medical space is that it's gonna, has an overall goal of improving care. I think one of the um, challenges to, uh, to data science being applied heavily in the field of medicine is that oftentimes people are reluctant to change and that there's a big learning curve with it. I'm seeing that a lot with the implementation of various EMRs 
um, in, in hospital settings that there is a lot of, there is a, a learning curve involved with learning how to properly use an EMR, EHR to document um, information in a chart for a patient. But I think that the overall goal of saving lives and decreasing healthcare costs makes it a challenge that's worth people in that profession and in that space meeting. So um, that's, I guess that's my, my comment about medicine and data science. I think the sky's the limit. I think ultimately it will improve the health of people and that will ultimately drive costs down. At least that's the hope. Today we have Josh Colson, who is my friend back from the Deloitte days. So back in 2012, we met and we did some work together and then he moved on uh, to a new role at LinkedIn and he's been there ever since and he's uh, really grown in the team. He's actually now a manager there and has a team of his own and manages a huge part of uh, the insights team of LinkedIn uh, for Asia Pacific where he helps employers find the right talent for their organizations and understand how to go about it. And um, where, from where you sit, from all the things you see about data, you, you know, you have a team, you work at LinkedIn, you work at LinkedIn, you have uh, so much access to data. You, you actually uh, have this bird's eye view of what's going on in the world. Where do you think the field of data science is going and what should our listeners prepare for uh, coming in the future? You know, I think going back to the earlier answer, Carol, I think it's all, it's, it's every organization in the world who, ha who has and who sees their data as an important part of the value that they create is going to continue to see that data um, as more valuable to their bottom line. Um, and I think the real challenge for data science in the, in the near term is connecting with the business and really focusing on um, measuring their impact, um, making sure that the, the models that they're putting in place, um, the algorithms that they're driving are, you know, driving real revenue um, or bottom line um, profit. And it's and it's all about, and, and that's it really. I, I think that's the biggest trend that's happening right now. And I think the, the data scientists that will be most valued are the ones that um, are able to build a brand for themselves because they have delivered success to businesses. I think in the same way that um, you know, private equity and and, uh, and venture capitalists, you know, provide value by you know stripping companies and um, and and turning over companies and that kind of thing. I think data scientists will build personal brands based on the um, the work that they can do with organisations to um, to reinforce uh, the top line and bottom line. We've got a very interesting guest today. Today we're talking with David Venturi, and David is a fascinating person because. He, at some point in his life, understood that he wants to study data science. He wants to be a data scientist. And he actually enrolled in one of the prestigious universities in Canada for a data science degree, for a data science master's. But within two weeks of studying there, he dropped out. And he didn't drop out because he was not uh, satisfied with his career choice and he wanted to do something else. No, he dropped out because he realized that what he was learning wasn't sufficient enough. And guess what he did instead? Instead, he created his own master's program based on courses available online. So he looks at different uh, data science master's programs that are offered by different universities. And then based on that, he compiled his own program using the courses that he can purchase or find for free online. And uh, I thought that it was an ingenious idea. It saved him $30,000 and also, of course, the, he could he was free to pick the best quality of content 
that was available to him. Where do you think this whole field is going? Like, what are the most important things people should focus on to prepare themselves for the future of data science uh, coming in two, three, five years from now? Yeah, so one thing that I'm currently working on and that I didn't realize was really important um, going in is the like the software engineering aspect, just being able to make your code reproducible and having the best practices for um, testing or testing your code and like, debugging all of those software engineering skills that I think a lot of new data scientists may not have um, going in if, if you didn't study computer science, for example. Uh, so that maybe not that may not be like the, what the future is, but I, I think that's a really important part that can be overlooked. Today we've got a very interesting guest. Today we've got the founder and co-CEO of Expertify, Harpreet Singh. And the other interesting question I had as well, which I'd really be curious to get your opinion on, is where, from where you sit, from all the things that you see going on in the space of data science, where do you think this field is going? So what should our listeners prepare for to be ready for the data science of 2020 or the data science of 2025? What, what would you recommend for them? So yeah, no, this this field is changing so rapidly that it, uh, you know, it's, it would be a fool's errand to make uh, many predictions. Mm. But one thing is for sure that, you know, <clears throat> there is uh, a lot of automation going on. We have a lot of tools that are developing and, uh, you, you, you know, that, that are being developed rather. And uh, <clears throat> the this this is going to be a very exciting space and it's going to impact every industry. And... The industries that are going to see the most change are the ones that have the best data or the richness of data. So those we will see evolving much faster than the others. And uh, if you are in, in such an industry, then, you know, I think it's, it's a very good idea to embrace analytics. Even if you're not a data scientist, even if you're a manager, you know, understanding how one can become data driven, how processes can be become can can benefit from uh, different types of analyses is really important, uh, you know, m making sure that the company has some kind of a data strategy to uh, capture the right data uh, is an, another important consideration, uh, you know, the, the, because uh, companies that are not going to do that are frankly going to, you know, not, not be, they're not going to be very competitive. They probably won't even exist uh, in, in the next five, 10 years. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a bold sort of a assumption but uh, if we look at how many fortune 500 companies exist from the last century you know let's say 1950s uh, you know I, I would say at least 30 or 40 have disappeared right so it, it i think uh, companies that do take data science seriously are the ones that are going to uh, stick around today we've got a very interesting guest Deblina Bahatacharji uh, she is calling in from Seoul which is South Korea and she is an AI researcher uh, working at one of the universities there or uh, doing her degree at one of the universities there. From what you've seen around the world and from the research you've done, uh, what do you think the future is of uh, artificial intelligence? As far as I know, uh, and also um, with I mean, um, from the uh, opinions of the scientists and researchers with whom I met in the conferences around the world, uh, what all of us we think is the field of data science is uh, headed towards a fusion with intelligent systems uh, to 
create smarter cities of the future. That's uh, that's the main vision. So uh, I also strongly believe that oh, you know with the ongoing research with real time big data and internet of everything right now, data science is going to explode in the future. Uh, with a lot of stuff happening. The thing is that uh, as of uh, today, I mean, morning when I got up, I just read this. Strata and Scala, they have been replaced by Hadoop already. And sorry, I mean, uh, Strata and Scala have replaced Hadoop. And just a bit of a different right. direction. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, and uh, there are, uh, you know, these data ops tools which are being developed to help data engineers, like uh, DevOps tools, which used to be previously for all the developers. Now they are data ops. And uh, they have been built by companies like Nexla and uh, Data Kitchen. And it's, it's really like great, like how data field is progressing. Uh, and also the uh, automated uh, predictive analytics uh, which is like the thing which is happening right now. Uh, so this predictive analytics had been automated last year and the data robot was created and people were like, okay, so by 2025, everyone is going to be out of jobs. So, uh, but then it was a bit too soon to say because the data robot as of now, uh, it's just speeds up the model development uh, for any model that you're building. And um, it, it is like the one-stop solution to speed up your uh, uh, whatever you're implementing in the industry. So uh, it has a long way to go, uh, definitely. It's a budding field. Uh, so both AI and data science together, uh, it's going to be really powerful mm. in the future. Today we've got Yuri Sir on the show. And uh, Yuri is, uh, in the short, a headhunter. She's... Uh, the director of talent acquisition for Collective Eye, which is a data science company which uses artificial intelligence and predictive analytics to help their clients with things like sales, CRM, and creating a better customer journey. From what you've seen from all the work you've done, the work you do, and the candidates you've seen, and the job descriptions, where do you think the field of data science is going? And what should our listeners prepare for in order to be ready for the future? Ooh, this is a tough question. So I truly feel that the title of data analytics or data analyst is probably going to go away mm -hmm. in the near future. I think it will that will soon be replaced by a, a traditional data scientist. Mm -hmm. And a lot of data scientists are now moving more into the deep learning space mm -hmm. and towards AI and machine learning. So I think it's really important to always make sure that you have the ear on the ground and recognize what's going around as far as not just what's trending, but what makes sense as far as like where the momentum is going when we talk about just the world of data. What I find really interesting currently right now is that uh, data science is almost becoming interconnected with big data, right? I mean, it all still is in the, in the data family, mm -hmm. but there is a, it's almost becoming, I'm seeing more and more a cross-pollination between the intersection of big data and data science, right? So there have been very interesting candidates that I can give for an example that I've seen that, you know, maybe they were more of a Hadoop developer or working more on 
cloud and things like that of that nature and being more on the engineering side, now migrating over to the data science field. And then also same thing, I see a lot of data scientists now ramping up on, you know, technologies such as Spark and so forth, you know, being able to really be more connected on the big data side of things, the, that wheelhouse. Today I've got a very inspiring guest on the show. Matt Dencho is the founder of Business Science, a consulting firm in the space of data science, which uh, works with companies ranging from startups to Fortune 500 companies. Not only is Matt the founder of Business Science, but also he's the author of multiple R packages, such as Tidy Quant, Time TK, Sweep, Tibble Time, and others. Interesting philosophical question. From what you've seen in data science and from uh, the way it's evolved, where do you think this field is going and what should our listeners look into to prepare for the future? So in terms of the field of data science, I mean, again, we're, I think we're still just in the beginning with it. We've got a lot of tools that are that are evolving, and I think we're going to be going more towards, you know, automated tools. Like I, I love what H2O is doing right now with um, actually making it easier to come, to get um, like these high accuracy models now. So where I really see the benefit is uh, in a different part of data science, which is actually communication. So uh, we talked a little bit about shiny web applications. I really see that as being a huge benefit for businesses. That's something that uh, business science we're actively investing a lot of time into. Um, and some of our first projects, actually I think like our first five projects with the client were shiny web apps. But uh, it's, it's being able to distribute analytics interactively. Like so you've got a machine learning algorithm, you're trying to forecast something or you're trying to uh, predict whether you know an employee is going to uh, to churn. You have to have a way to distribute that information to non-technical people uh, in a in a wide audience. And I think Shiny is the way to do that, or at least one of the ways. You've got Power BI and Tableau, as other uh, that Kirill you had mentioned. You know, I I really see that as kind of the future of data science as being both you know, good at the tools, understand, you need to know the tools inside and out and understand them. I think the tools are going to get easier to use, but, and I, but I think down the road, what's really going to become very powerful is, is being able to communicate that data in, a, in an interactive way. I just got off the phone with senior data scientist at LinkedIn, Eric Weber, and we had a great chat. Really, really enjoyed the chat. From what you've seen in data science and education and uh, from like all the experiences you've had and where you stand now, where do you think the whole field of data science is going and what should our listeners prepare for to be ready for the future that's coming? I think, so this is a, this is a tough question. <laughs> In terms of where it's going, I think we're going to see some radical changes as companies start reckoning with the investments that they've made in data science. And by that I mean... Some companies are going to decide that they haven't seen a return on investment. And I think in a lot of cases it's because maybe they're not measuring the right thing. But you're going to see other companies that decide to double down and say, okay, we really need to take seriously how we're measuring the impact of our data scientists on this organization. So to me, what the future, the near future feels like is really developing proofs of concept for really looking at ROI of data scientists, really turning the data science onto the actual data scientists. 
how are you going to measure your value for us? How are you going to test your value for us? And that's a question I think we're going to have to answer. Um, it's that it only like to this point, I think, you know, data science being this sexy career and having high salaries and all of this stuff, you know, that's great. But companies at the end of the day are a business and they need to see the lift and the amount of improvement they get from adding data scientists. And to me, that's a near term thing. That's something that a lot of companies will be grappling with. And the thing to me, where we're going, I've mentioned, I mentioned scalability at the start of the conversation. Mm-hmm. Scalability is a big deal. I continue to not sometimes care if someone can eke out an extra 0.1% of performance in their model. Uh, I'd rather see them be able to scale and productionize their model so that we don't have to rely on someone uh, maintaining it over time so that we can actually build it to deal with the size of the data that we have. This is an issue that we see at LinkedIn, but it's not unique to LinkedIn. The volume of data is not going to decrease. (laughs) The speed at which it comes in is not going to slow down all of a sudden. And so I think really dealing with scalability, that is a big issue to grapple with here in the near future. Today I've got a super exciting, super pumped episode, super futuristic episode with Andrew Borisov from the MM1 project. From everything that you've seen like so far, where do you think the space of data science uh, is going? Uh, space of data science, AI, machine learning is going. And what do you think our listeners should prepare for to be ready for the future that's coming? I don't think it's going to make sense for me to talk about the different areas where data science could be applied. Mm-hmm. In particular, I mean like like legal uh, or everything about the images and how you process them. So I would speak more philosophical and in general. One day we're going to come to the, I'm sorry for calling it like this, but metrics. Yeah. <laughs> in, in some kind of way, maybe not the way Bakowski, uh, the, the brothers described it. But what I mean is that people spend less and less time offline and more online. And it's going to be even more. Even now in the United States, there is a big problem. A lot of shopping malls are shutting down and there is nothing that uh, people are intended to do with this big amount of space. So people will get even deeper into virtual worlds and this is where VR is playing. And when you have the virtual world, you need to have like artificial uh, brain there, you know, that uh, can talk to you, that you can do something about, uh, I mean, like talk to another person in this world and so on. And this is where all the data science approaches need to be implemented uh, implemented in some in one way or another. Mm. Okay. So I'm thinking more global about this. Yeah, no, that, that's a very that's very one part accurate picture. Yeah. So and the other part is of course billions of people one day losing their jobs simply because let's call it computer <laughs> will yeah. will do it better. I'm ultra excited about the episode because I have the legend of data science Eugene Dubasarsky on the show. And legend is in no way, not even in the slightest, an overstatement because Eugene is indeed regarded as a thought leader in the space of data science and definitely in Australia that I can tell you for sure and I would even go as far uh, as saying across the world, across the globe. And um, Eugene is a person who started multiple companies and participated in multiple companies in the space of data science. Just recently, he started Advantage Data. It's a world-class data science consulting firm 
that works with C-level executives and CEOs. Uh, he's also the director and principal trainer at Prescient Analytics. He's the head founder of Data Science Sydney, and he's also the chief data scientist at Alpha Zeta, a network, a global network of data science consultants. Uh, also, this one we kind of touched on as well, uh, but maybe a summary would be great. Where do you think the field of data science is going and what should our listeners look into to prepare for the future that's coming? Well, um, I think there's going to be a data literacy, a general data literacy, which may, which means a more demanding clientele mm-hmm. on in the in the in, in the in the buying buying side of the market. Uh, um, something I'm betting on very heavily at the moment, as I should have mentioned before, is quantum computing. So Prescient has a quantum computing course coming out, and uh, there'll be more quantum computing offerings and material from Prescient and Advantage Data in the near future. Um, like I said, I think I think statistics is key. Mm-hmm. I think getting a good grounding in statistics is the most important thing of all. I find people, mentorees, come and say, which data science master's course should I do? And I say, do a master's in statistics. Mm-hmm. Um, and once again, Bayesian statistics, um, uh, in particular, uh, causal impact analysis, you can't go wrong with those. Um, I'm still wondering what sort, what sort of machine learning tools and what sort of mathematical tools are going to come to the for- forefront now that uh, quantum computing is on the verge of becoming a mature technology. Um, so yeah, I'd say statistics, statistics, statistics. I'd say do Kaggle competitions, um, just do, especially if you're a beginner, just do them incessantly. Um, if, if your question is, should you learn Python or R? It's the wrong question in two ways. One is the language is the least important thing. Focus on the methods. And two is you should learn both of them and you should probably have a look at Julia as well. Um, I think curiosity, uh, entrepreneurship and rigor, which is a very rare combination. Those personality traits, developing those personality traits is going to be key. I think being experimental. Ah, this is this one. This one is a real problem for a lot of people. So one, one of the ways in which data science is so unlike IT is data science is about experimenting. It's about trying things and failing. It's about not knowing what you're going to find until you get there. And that's a huge challenge for a lot of people, both from the executive side of the world and the IT side of the world. So dealing, being comfortable with uncertainty and being comfortable with uncertainty about your own career. No one knows what a data science career path looks like. No one knows what we're going to be like in the future. Today, I've got a super energetic guest for you, Josie Parks. So what you need to know about Josie is that he's a serial entrepreneur who uses data and technology in his businesses. So Josie is involved in industries such as metal roofs, uh, construction, uh, glass, designer glass specialties, and others. And at the same time, he actively leverages data science to improve uh, the way he approaches his customers, the way he sells uh, to his customers, the way he services his customers, and he's seen massive success from that initiative. What do you what do you see the future looking like, and where do you think the world's going? Uh, what should our listeners prepare for that's coming in the next five or ten years? What what do you think the world of data and technology will be like? So it, I I do think it's a bit scary um, with the you know like here recently some Toyota engineers 
uh, they built a, a robot that can beat any player, any uh, statistic on shots. It made 100% accuracy, free throws, three-pointers. And so data scientists are getting very, very good mm. at creating these, this AI. And so there's going to come to a point where it's going to start pushing us out. But that's where we have to create new ways because God has given us this mind and this ability. And so we have an amazing opportunity to leverage that. So I do think certain aspects of it are scary, but I think it's going to be one of the most amazing opportunities for those that focus on creating and not getting bogged down and looking at the dark side of it, but keep your mind positive and make sure and you use that stuff as poison or fuel. And so when you see things that are coming in scary, that are kind of like, oh man, where am I going to be? How am I going to do that? Use that as fuel and not poison. And so I, I really think that the future is, uh, we're going to work hand in hand with bots. And I mean, we're going to have a lot of sophisticated, you know, things within our life. Everything is going to have a sensor on it. And, uh, you know, we're really focused on the internet of moving things. And that's going to be a big part of, you know, our lives are, you know, we're going to have technology always around us. And I'm not, you know, I, my wife got me and then started me an Instagram. I, I've never had a Facebook. You know, I'm really not one that likes to consume except Flipboard. I love consuming Flipboard because it's amazing. And it gives me a lot of articles I really like. Um, but just finding those things that help you be the best you and that is going to help you to create the best products and services and so whatever you consume is what you're creating from and so you have to be very very safe with what safeguard your mind safeguard what comes in and if you catch yourself like just consuming stuff that you know is not producing good results cut it out and do be self-disciplined and really focus on that and don't limit yourself because it's an unlimited world out there, especially with the skills that you have. Very energetic guest on the show today, Lucy D'Agostino McGowan. Lucy is a, a person of many, many different talents, many different skills. So what you need to know about Lucy is that she started off by studying a bachelor's in religious studies and Italian and after that, she has successfully switched her career into data science. She's just completed a PhD in biostatistics. She also runs the Our Ladies group in Nashville, Tennessee. From all the things you've seen in, uh, like we've covered so many topics, just even in just this podcast, and I'm sure you have a much broader exposure to the field in general. From everything you've seen, where do you think the field of data science is going? And what should our listeners prepare for to be ready for the future that's coming ahead in the next three or five years? Yeah, that's a great question. So I think I think in general, we're sort of moving to this age of like information overload, which kind of has two consequences for data scientists. So the first, I think, is is largely really a good thing. Um, and so, you know, when when I see a study now, I want to know exactly where the data came from and how it was analyzed. And often, if it's something that I actually think is important to me, I, I, I want to be able to reproduce the results. 
Mm-hmm. And I see this kind of more and more, this like craving for even more information, even though we're in this information overload space, mm-hmm. because we have the ability to share information so easily. And I think it's really cool and it's leading to like really neat innovations. But what it means as data scientists is that we're really pushed to use best practices in terms of reproducibility so that this can be possible. So things like version control and working in a scripting language instead of a GUI and documenting and justifying data changes and all that kind of stuff, I think is becoming increasingly important because we have this ability to transfer information so easily. And then the second consequence of a data or an information overload would be that it can be hard. I mean, this kind of is reflects on what I was saying earlier, but I think it can be hard for the general public to be able to sift through what's important and what's noise. And so I think that means that as data scientists, we need to brush up on our communication skills and being able to distill really complex things. You know, this really complex model that I've just fit, um, while I've you know fully documented it for those people that want to be able to reproduce it, I also need to be able to condense it into a digestible soundbite that doesn't water it down, but also doesn't overload the public with unnecessary information. And so you know, that's kind of what you were saying before about being able to make it exciting and interesting, but but somehow still hold on to the truth that comes from it. So be, being able to make sure that like we're communicating things that are both true and also you know important and um, and not like being able to sift through all of the nitty gritty to get it to like condense down to the single point that we're trying to get across. And I think that is also going to be really important in the coming years for data scientists to be able to kind of gain that skill. So aside from being able to fit that really fancy model, being able to explain it in a really um, easily digestible way so that people can actually utilize the information that you've, you've gleaned from it. Mm-hmm. There we go. That was something special, wasn't it? 16 views of our 16 biggest AI experts who were on the show talking about what the future of data science looks like. I hope you enjoyed and learned tons from this very special 200th episode of the Super Data Science Podcast. Here's to another 200 episodes yet to come. I can't wait to interview more guests and share their thoughts, their ideas, their perspectives with you and Thank you so much for being part of this journey, for being part of the Super Data Science Show. Couldn't have done it without you. And I'm so, so excited and so grateful that you are part of all of this that we do here, that you inspire us, you inspire our guests to keep sharing their thoughts and ideas. Thank you once again. And I can't wait to see you next week. And until then, happy analyzing.